I want to greet you in our Savior's name this morning. It's a blessing to be gathered here and worship our Lord together. I was blessed by the service so far this morning and uh, by the devotional and the testimonies. And I'm just thankful, just like to repeat Peter's words there in Acts where he said that, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation... He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. That's who God accepts, those that fear him. You know, sometimes I think, well, I don't know a whole lot. You know, how, how do, do I know how to follow the Lord? And, you know, thinking of coming here and, and preaching a message, I had to think, well, I'm not that good of a preacher. But I think if we fear God, and I think the biggest thing is to be emptied, for me to be emptied of myself so that the Lord can use this vessel. And I think that's in life as well. To, to be emptied of the fear of man, of, of my ideas of what a Christian should be like, and just follow God's truth. That, that's the desire I have for my life. And, and God will not, God will always respect, God will always look to a person like that who wants to follow him in truth. <clears throat> so I, I was very blessed by that. For a for a message, I thought I'd start out in Psalm 27. For a title, I've I've um, chosen. There, there's a phrase in one of the verses there, but who or what is the house of the Lord? <clears throat> you know, just what is the house of the Lord? And the testimonies were here this morning. You know, the desire was mentioned to be part of a body, to be, in a sense, in the house of the Lord. I'm just going to read the chapter, Psalm 27, where it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me and to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy, hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path, because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. <clears throat> I'd like to look especially at verse 4. 
where David is saying here, he says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And I was just, I, recently I've been thinking, what, what was David thinking about when he said that he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord? Back in those days, the, the temple wasn't built. I, I guess the tabernacle, they probably still had the tabernacle. When he wanted to build the temple, he said that the ark of the Lord dwells in tents. And I guess, I, is that where David wanted to dwell? And I was thinking, you know, just what was the tabernacle built for? It, for the children of Israel, the reason they had a tent is because they were traveling. They were going through the wilderness. That's when the tabernacle was built. I'd, I'd like to look at Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 to 9, <clears throat> where God was telling Moses to build the tabernacle and the purpose of it. Uh, Exodus chapter 25. I must have written that reference down wrong. It's where Moses went up into the into the mountain, and then God God told him to um, to build the tabernacle. I have Exodus 25, but that's not the the reference I want. But anyway, he he gave him instructions how to build the tabernacle. Yeah, that's instructions how to build it, but it somewhere he had given the reason for why why he was to build it. And it and it had the, the verse there it says that the reason for for this building was that so that he could dwell among, among them. He wanted to dwell among his people. I I can kind of remember what, what that were <clears throat> just get the main points out of it, but he, um, the purpose for building the temple or the tabernacle was so that God would have a place to dwell. He wanted to dwell among his people. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, um, they had a relationship with God that was broken. And it was the, the connection with God wasn't there anymore. And then in the, when the children of Israel were, were in the wilderness, God told Moses to, to build this tabernacle and he told him to build it. Be sure you you build it according um, according to the to to how I told you to build it, and the reason was so that I can dwell among God wanted to dwell among them, and that's that's where God dwelt. And when they wanted to go to the house of the Lord or to seek the Lord, that's where they went. They went to the tabernacle. <clears throat> later, later the the temple was built. Another thing about the tabernacle, I don't know all the all the things about the tabernacle, but there are people who have studied that out and all of that, all the sacrifices and everything they did at the tabernacle was was pointing to Christ. It was it was to point toward the time when Christ would come and establish 
a, a better relationship with man and heal that that breach that happened in in the Garden of Eden. It was it was all to point them and remind them of of the coming Redeemer. Later, the temple was built. That was a glorious building. It was um, it was overlaid with gold. And that was considered the house of the Lord. And throughout history, there were times when the temple's doors were shut. The people were following idols and they didn't go to the temple anymore. And then, uh, then sometimes certain kings would come in and the temple would be opened again. And they would, um, they would repent and, and turn back to the Lord. But the temple was kind of at the center where they, where, where the Lord, it was considered, considered the house of the Lord. So I'm not sure is that what David had in mind when he when he talked about wanting to dwell in the house of the Lord? Did he want to dwell in the temple? He had wanted to build the temple. The Lord told him that he can't build the temple. But it says he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord. And this temple that was so glorious later on was destroyed and and then when the children of Israel were carried away into into Babylon and then later it was rebuilt and in uh, in Mark chapter 13, uh, the disciples were showing Jesus at the temple and showing him how glorious this this building is. Maybe I'll just turn turn there. Mark chapter 13, verses uh, one and two. Mark chapter 13, verses. Verse 1 and 2, And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings, what buildings are here. You know, they, they liked their temple. They, they thought a lot of their, that building. Jesus answering and said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And the way I understand it, that actually happened when the temple was destroyed. The gold from the temple would run into the cracks of these stones, and later, as people were looting and finding this gold, they would pry all these stones apart to get the gold out that was had run in between the stones. So this glorious building was was gone. Their their place of of worship. And I had to think of the house of the Lord. Often we think maybe of a church building. You know, we came together to worship here. This is, maybe it's a little easier to think of a, a building like up at Harmony as the house of the Lord rather than a building like this. But it doesn't really matter what the building is like. <clears throat> so if we want to dwell in the house of the Lord, how, how do we find that? How do we or I become or build the house of the Lord? Do I need to be an expert? Do I need to to know everything of how to build this house? <clears throat> I think part of becoming part of the house of the Lord is recognizing who I am before an almighty God. Realizing that I don't have the answers and that God does have the answers. Like I said earlier, be, 
be emptied of, of my ideas and, and allow Christ to, to, to fill us. <clears throat> I had to think of, uh, you know, when we build a building, when, whether it's a ha- just thinking of a house, it needs a foundation. The house of the Lord, if we want to be part of the house of the Lord, it also needs a foundation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, Paul was telling the Corinthians there, he said, Other foundation can no man lay than is, that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then he says, Take heed how you build thereon. I like um, in Luke chapter 6, we're talking about the, the wise man and the foolish man it, building their houses. The one man built his house on a rock and the other one on the sand. Luke chapter 6, verse um, 46 through 49. And why call ye me Lord, and do not, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep. That verse there, dig deep. He, he wanted to find something solid. He was looking. He was searching. And he laid that foundation for his house, for his life, on that rock, which is Jesus Christ. And it says, when the flood, when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently, vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. And then the one that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. We've probably all seen buildings that didn't have a very good foundation, whether it's a house or, or uh, any other kind of building where it soon starts shifting. It, it's not very stable. It, it moves around. As the ground moves, as the freezing and thawing, it, it soon, it soon moves. It, it doesn't, it's not anchored. And after a while, the use of it becomes, you, it can't be used anymore. And it seems longer ago they used to do more of that. Now with our building codes, they, they want a building that stands straight for many years. And so we need to dig deep. We need to pour concrete in there so that we have something solid to build on. In the same way in our lives, if Jesus is not our foundation, if that's not where we start out, our building will not stand. Because it's not a question as to whether the storms of life will come, whether the winds and the rains are going to come, but they will come. It's, it's just a matter of living life. If we're alive, alive, there will be storms. But if we have that anchor on Jesus Christ, then our, then our building can stand and it won't shift. <clears throat> We need, we need a foundation. The house of the Lord needs a foundation. If we're going to be part of that house of the Lord, I like there in Psalm 27 how it, he, he starts out, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. You know, he had his, that needs to be personal for us, that the Lord is, is my light. That's, that's what lights me and he is my salvation. And then later on he says, after that is, then he has that desire to dwell in the house of the Lord. 
Is it verse 25? Exodus. Okay. I was maybe I was in the wrong chapter. I couldn't see it. Okay, there it is. Yeah. That was the purpose of the tabernacle. I'll just read verse Exodus chapter 25 down to verse 9. Yeah, I had the right. Just wasn't laying my eyes on the. Thank you. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel. That they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take mine offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass, and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair, and ram skins dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. Why? They were to bring all these valuable things, these offerings, and let them make me a sanctuary or a, a dwelling place or, or a sacred place, that, that sanctuary would mean, that I may dwell among them. And then he tells, in verse 9, he tells them, according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. The Lord had given Moses a lot of instructions, and he was to make this tabernacle according to to the he was to follow those instructions. That was for God to dwell in. And I don't know how we would um would I think we would build very carefully if we would if the Lord would have given us instructions to build a building for Him to dwell in. <clears throat> This was a, a physical building that they saw. This was a building that they could see the glory of the Lord there in a pillar of a cloud a lot of times. There are times when Moses went to the tabernacle and he could, um, it says the glory of the Lord came down on the tabernacle and, and Moses talked with the Lord. That was where, that was where God dwelt. <clears throat> and we uh, talked about the temple some. Later on it was the temple. They didn't have the tabernacle anymore. But in the New Testament now, it's, it's, they never, Jesus never, never gave instructions. Jesus did a lot of teaching and instructing, but he never said, build a building for me here. This is where I want to dwell. Build me a house. Something, maybe, we think of church buildings nowadays, um, A lot of them are not very simple. They're they're very expensive buildings with stained glass and high ceilings often and you know just people put a lot into building a house for the Lord. Is that what is that what Jesus was looking for in the New Testament? <clears throat> Talking here in Luke where he talks about digging deep Jesus is looking more for a hunger for truth and for righteousness. He wants a heart that where I empty of myself and allow him to, to fill it and dwell dwell in it. <clears throat> I'd like to thinking of a foundation, I'd like to look at first Timothy chapter six, verse seventeen.
thinking of, of lay, it talks about laying up a good foundation. It says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. You know, we live in a land of plenty. And I think if we compare ourselves to the, to the world population, we're, we're all rich. How do, here's part of laying up that foundation. That we don't trust in these uncertain riches. It's easy to trust in, in these things. I, I was thinking recently of, you know, the, the turmoil in the Middle East and like the people in Syria that, that flee their homes and they have nothing. And in some of these countries where they are being persecuted, some of the Muslim countries, they're, they're turning to the Lord. And I, I had to think then we live here and we're so blessed. We have so many things, and it almost seems that that can almost cause us to turn away from the Lord with all these blessings that we have. But when we have nothing, when, when we're stripped, when we have nothing, when, when we're at, our, at the end, then, then, we are, then we'll turn to the Lord when we're done. But we are here, and we have a lot. We have many blessings. But First Timothy, part of that foundation... First Timothy verse chapter six verse seventeen charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy that they do good that they be rich in good works ready to distribute willing to communicate laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may hold, lay hold on eternal life part of part of laying that foundation for the house of the Lord. Then also in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Chapter 2, verse 14. I want to start at verse 14, but in verse 19 it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Part of laying that foundation, allowing Christ to take charge of my life. I'll back up to verse 14 now. If these things put them in remembrance, charging them that, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God. We're not studying to show ourselves approved unto man, but we're studying to show ourselves approved to God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doeth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some? Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one of every one that nameth the name of the Lord the name of Christ depart from iniquity. <clears throat> that foundation needs to be solid. It needs to be laid we need to lay it. We need to be anchored to that rock. 
which is Jesus Christ. His teachings, the words he spoke, need to guide our lives. And then it takes, I don't think we can be this building, this house of the Lord, by ourselves. We are a part of it. In in 1 Corinthians, where he talks about having many, it, it likens the church or the body of believers to, to, a, to a human body. I'd like you to look at that a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And then verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. Verse 19. And if they were, and if they were all one member, where were the body? Verse 20. But now are they many members, yet Yet but one body. And then 25 to 27. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Part of this house of the Lord. It's not just one it's not just one board, it's not just a nail, but it takes many. It takes many different gifts. And thinking of a, of a human body, it needs to be connected to the head with Jesus Christ. And then in First Peter, chapter 2 talks about lively stones. First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. First Peter chapter two verse four to ten talks about I'll just read it. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore it is contained in in the scripture, behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which is the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I'd like to think a little bit about these lively stones or living stones. These, these are not just hard. All this, I never saw a living, a stone that was alive. I mean, all the stones I've ever dealt with or have gotten in my way were very hard and and uh, cold and dead. But this talks about living stones. 
and a, the, I had to think of the idea of a stone, it's something solid. There's something to it. There's weight to it. But it's alive. It has a choice. You know, God could have made us like a stone and just put us right where he would have wanted us. And sometimes I think when I look at the stars in the evening, I think it almost be easier just to be a star, just to shine right where God put me. But I have a choice. I can choose to be part of this building. I can choose to be an alive stone. It says to build up a spiritual house. We're part of a spiritual house. One stone doesn't make a wall. One stone doesn't build a house. But as, as many of them come together. And it also talks here about a cornerstone. And anyone that has built anything knows how important the corner of a building is. Any kind of building, you don't start in the middle of the wall. You always start with your corner. And then you measure everything off, off from your corner. Jesus needs to be that chief. He talks about him being that chief cornerstone. Everything else gets measured off of him. That's how you can tell if a wall is straight. You have your corners. And when you're laying stone or block, you have a line or you, you sight past that. You can see if, if the stone is in line. Jesus needs to be that chief cornerstone. And just as I was sitting here, I thought of, uh, I was thinking there was a time when they were rebuilding the temple in the Old Testament. I, I don't know, is it Ezra or Nehemiah somewhere where they kind of ran up against and couldn't go on. And then they found a cornerstone in the rubbish that they set up and then they were able to build again. I, I'm thinking that's in the Old Testament somewhere, but I didn't, didn't have the time to just thought about it afterwards. It, it talks here about some people stumble over that, that cornerstone. They don't want that cornerstone to keep, help keep them in line. And it, therefore that cornerstone becomes a stumbling block rather than something that, that holds us in line. But the corner is very important. We, we are not the corner, but Jesus is, is that cornerstone. And when I think of a cornerstone... I think of a stone that might have a corner on it, like it, it it has a corner, and you set it in the corner, and then your walls are straight from there out. Everything else gets measured off of that. Everything in our lives, the decisions we make, need to be measured off of Jesus Christ, off of His teachings. We we set the line for our life. We we pull on that cornerstone, and. And that's, that's what keeps us straight when Jesus is that cornerstone. <clears throat> if we would start in the middle of a wall, there, there'd almost be no way to get it straight or square. But if we start from the corners and Jesus is that corner for our life, then we can have have a straight, this house of the Lord that we're, we're a part of, that, we're, that these lively stones are laid in, will, will help keep us in line. <clears throat> so as we're building this house, another thing, a house, you know, we're anchored on the foundation, 
We're, we're building these walls. This house of the Lord, it provides protection. It provides warmth. Our buildings protect us from the elements. And I think so, the house of the Lord, this, this spiritual house that we're building, this body of believers can be a protection from, from the elements. We're no match for, for the weather that's out there, for the storms that are in life. And I appreciated that in the testimonies that were shared where they talked about a desire to be a part of, of a group. Because I don't have it on my own. If I just figure things out on my own, I, I tend to go this way and then that way. We're human. But the Lord needs to be our light and our salvation. The way it talks there in Psalm 27. And then I think it's important that we dwell in the house of the Lord. And I think this house, you know, the wind sometimes might blow some shingles off or blow a piece of tin off. It takes maintenance. And it's, the weather really, really works on, on anything that's outside in the weather. Just thinking of a roof, for instance, like the sun shines on it, the heat, it gets hot. And it, depending what the poor material it is, it can crack. And it, it, it fades it. The paint gets old. And then it gets cold and it freezes. And it, and it all works on, on the outside of this building. But it takes maintenance to keep a building, um, fu- to, to, so that a building can serve the purpose that it's built for. To, to have that protection, it takes maintenance. It takes maintenance in our personal lives. It takes maintenance as a brotherhood. Where we exhort one another, where we encourage one another. <clears throat> also had to think of a house often has a supply of food to eat. That takes maintenance as well. It takes cultivation. It takes digging. To, to dwell in this house of the Lord. <clears throat> Another aspect to be part of this house of the Lord is a simple trust in God. I desire that for my life, to not complicate things by, I tend to think in my mind of how things might work. To be free from that, to just trust the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul talking to the Corinthians there, Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world, and more abundantly to you word. He's talking about himself, and I'm not sure was someone with him here, but Their, their testimony was that their conscience was bearing record of this, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, 
not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we can have our conversation in the world and, and toward others. And then also in Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul had a fear that the Corinthians would be drawn away from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I don't need to have all the answers. I don't need to know it all. I don't need to know how to live life. But I need to be anchored on Jesus Christ. My soul needs to be in Him, and have a simple trust in Him. I had to think of a child. You know, they they trust their parents. They just fully trust them. They they trust that they won't hurt them. And that that needs to be the way we trust the Lord. Just fully trust Him. That He He has our best in mind. He wants the best for us. And that. All things work together for good to them who love God. <clears throat> we need to have the mind, or Paul on the, the road to Damascus when that light struck him down. You know, he had his idea of, of what following the law was all about. He had his idea of serving the Lord. But he was actually working against God. He, he thought he was serving the Lord, but he was actually working against him. He was persecuting the truth. When that light came to, struck him down, I often think of his words, and, and I think we should ask, we should pray this often as, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? I think that should be part of our mind. The way we think when we come up to situations. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? <clears throat> we need to come to the light. We need to walk in the light so that we can see. If we're going to try to figure things out by hiding in the darkness and you know we're afraid to come out in the light, that's not going to work. This house of the Lord is full of light. The darkness is outside. Let's not try to be halfway in maybe. Let's come in into the light so that our deeds are manifest whether they are in Christ or not. A yielding, a yielding of ourselves. <clears throat> in Psalm 51, uh, verses 16 and 17 talks about what God delights in. Psalm 51 says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. I find in myself and people I talk to, there's often, I want to give something. I want to do something to earn my points with God or my salvation. 
That's not what the Lord is looking for. He just wants a, a yielded life. A life that's yielded to Him. <clears throat> that He can, he can uh, fill then and use a yielded vessel. In, uh, in Luke, Jesus was talking about His second coming. It talked about the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo, here or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. This house of the Lord can be within us, as we are a part of that house of the Lord. And I think that's, that happens a lot now. You know, there's, there's people that say, you know, here is Christ, come over here. Or here is Christ. It needs to happen within us before we can experience it. <clears throat> I had to think of the woman at the well coming to, when she met Jesus. I'd like to look at that account. This was, this woman did, she was not a, an Israel, she was not a Jew. She wouldn't have had the teaching that the Jews would have had. But it seemed like she was open and she was seeking. And Jesus came and revealed himself to her. Luke, uh, John chapter 4 verse Starting at verse 6. It says, They were going through Samaria there. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. This woman wanted that. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And for a lot of people, they might have decided not to talk with this man anymore. You know, he's getting into her personal life. The woman answered and said unto her, I have no husband. She was honest and she was open. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. And with Jesus saying that, she said, Well, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And then she had a question on her mind about worshiping. She had a question about the house of the Lord. Where, where should we worship? She was seeking. She was looking. Jesus had told her about her life. He could see right into her life. He knew, he knew her past. She kept asking questions. She kept seeking. 
She said, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Let's notice verse 23 here. It says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in, in spirit and in truth. You know, she, she gathered that this man was a prophet. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I like how Jesus, he just revealed himself to her. This woman that was seeking. And I had to think of the contrast, the teachers of the law, those that the scribes and the Pharisees, the ones that could say had all the answers. I sometimes felt like Jesus, they would ask him if he, he was the Messiah and he would, wouldn't really answer their question. And there were times when he did tell them that he is the Son of God and then they accused him of blaspheming. I've already just felt like he didn't quite reveal himself to, like he, like I thought maybe he should have, but Jesus had a reason for doing that. But this woman here, coming with an honest and open heart, she had a question where we, where we should worship. Jesus told her how to worship. And then she said that when the Messiah comes, he's going to tell us all these things. And Jesus said, I am he. I am that person. He just revealed himself to this woman. If we read on in the chapter where she even forgot to get her water, she, she almost didn't have this thirst anymore for this natural water. Say so she left her water pot and went into the city and, and told the people in there that, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And it talks about the rest of the city going out and, and meeting Jesus there. I like that, the honesty of this woman. She... She wasn't trying to hide her life. She wasn't trying to cover something up. She wasn't trying to hide in the darkness. The light was here, and the light was telling her what her life was like. And she just she just admitted it, and it's like, well, you must be a prophet if you know all that about me. And asked him about worshiping then. You know, honesty, coming to the light, that that goes a long way. If, if we're honest about who I am before God, if we can recognize God for who He is, His, His almightiness, and how undone we are in His presence, and we come out of the shadows into that light, then Jesus will reveal Himself to us, just like He did to this woman. <clears throat> now, she wasn't an educated woman in the law or anything, but... She had found the truth. And I'm thankful for that. You know, God isn't a respecter of persons. But if, if we are open and honest, and if we want to walk in the light, God will reveal himself to us. <clears throat> I'd like to go back to Psalm 27 now where we started... Um, just 
it, it talks a little bit more about this house, what, what all we observe in this house, what You know, the Lord needs to be our light and my salvation. And then I don't need to fear anymore. I don't even need to fear death. Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. I don't trust in earthly things anymore. I'm trusting in the Lord now. And our God can see us through death. No earthly king, anything we can get our hands on on this earth can, can do that. I like... In Psalm 27, I'd like to read verse 4 again. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He want to be there all the days of his life. Why? To behold the beauty of the Lord. To behold the beauty of the Lord. Or the delightfulness of the Lord. Is that not where we behold the beauty of the Lord? In the house of the Lord? Is it in a building that's expensive? That's decked out? Um, That is magnificent. Is that the kind of beauty or delightfulness that, that David is talking about here? I don't think it is. If we look in verse um, verse 13, it's, it talks about, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, a lot of times we almost faint when we see the turmoil the, war, the, the world is in. But when we can observe the beauty of the Lord in the house of the Lord, among God's people, that gives us hope. It gives us a reason to live. It gives us life. <clears throat> it, it encourages us on. Another thing he says here, it says, and to inquire in his temple. Often if they want a direction for their lives, they would go to the temple and inquire of the Lord. And I think in the house of the Lord, in the New Testament church, the gathered body of believers, I think there's a safety there when we're making big decisions, small decisions in life. To have that input from believers, from the elders, into our lives. That direction, that's where we go to, that's where we inquire of the Lord. And it can give us direction. And then verse 5, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. What better place is there to be than in the house of the Lord in the time of trouble? In sickness, or when there's death. Where's a better place to be than in the house of the Lord, to be surrounded with his people? It says, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. It helps stabilize us. It talks about the secret of his tabernacle here. I had to think of the, the tabernacle and the temple both had, a, had the holies of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was. And... Nobody was allowed to go in there. I think a priest might have gone in there once a year or so to atone for the the sins of the people. But he he had had to go through certain rituals and had to do certain things, had to do everything right 
before he went in there, so that it, in the Old Testament it talks about so that he die not when he goes in there. Because that was the holiness of the Lord. But when Jesus died on the cross, that, ter- that veil was rent, opening the way for us to come to Christ. And I have to think of that when he talks about in this dwelling in the, or going into the secret of his tabernacle. We can now hide there in the time of trouble. We can go into that secret place where God can cover us with his hand. If we have opened our lives to him, if he is our light and our salvation, and then we go into his holy place in the house of the Lord, and it and it's a protection for our lives when the storms of life are, are about us. And it helps keep our feet upon that rock, Jesus Christ. Verse 6, And now shall mine head be lifted above, up above mine enemies round about me. You know, there's, there's enemies around us. There's principalities and powers that would like to, they don't like to see the house of the Lord working the way it should. And they want to pull it down. But if we yield ourselves, if we walk in the light, when the Lord is my light and my salvation, then we can be part of this building and this protection. And it says, there will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I can be joyful now and sing praises to to our Lord. I'm just going to pick out a couple verses here. Whereas verse 9, it says, when thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. What better places to do that is than in the house of the Lord? To seek the Lord's face. And there are times when, in verse 9, David is asking the Lord not to hide his face from him. And don't be angry with me, but don't forsake me. It says, when my, mother and my, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Verse 11, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. There's enemies around us, and, and that's where we seek the Lord, to teach us in a plain path. Not something that's confusing, but, but a path to walk in. In Psalm 119, it talks about, there's a verse that, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. We don't need to stumble. We can walk in the light. If, if we come to that light. <clears throat> and then verse 14 so it talks about waiting on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, that's the desire I have, to walk in that light. And yet I find I'm a human. You know, sometimes it, I'd rather just stay back in the shadows a little bit and let's see once what happens. Let's not draw back in darkness. Let's walk in the light. Let's come out in the light so that our deeds can be manifest. And if they're wrong, then they can be corrected. As long as we're in the shadows, our deeds, we, we can't have correction there. Or we, we, can't, we don't walk in the light. <clears throat> let's seek after God. Let, let's let Him be our light and our salvation. But I think it's interesting how he said, this is one thing that he's desiring. Is that what I desire? And if I look around and I see believers, their desire to gather together, even in in places like China, 
where they're persecuted. And as soon as a group of people get together, it's often it becomes noticeable. They still want to gather together and worship the Lord together. There, there's some there's a strength there. There's a power there to worship the Lord together. And I trust that is our desire to worship the Lord to dwell in this house of the Lord. Also, I had to think of Psalm 127 where it talks about, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh it but in vain. Everything we do to build this house or to keep this house safe needs to be in the Lord. We're under His, His direction, under His leadership. He needs to build it or else our life, the things we do are just in vain. Sometimes I think when I go to, into a city or cross some of these big bridges that man builds, man can really build some pretty magnificent or strong big buildings. And yet it says, except the Lord build the house. I think the house of the Lord can exceed, can exceed that beauty and that strength when the Lord is its protector. And we, we, we go there for refuge. <clears throat> I had to think of a verse in Micah 6, 8, where, 6, 8, where it talks, he says, um, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. I came across a poem here I'd like to read. The title of it is, this, that has blessed me, it says, Where is Jesus? In majestic great cathedrals, in their paintings rich and rare, in their shining stained glass windows, will you find my Jesus there? In their gold and silver trappings, in the piping organ's sound, in the coffers full or flowing, is that where he can be found? In the little wood-framed buildings scattered o'er the countryside, with their steeples raised to heaven, is this where my Lord resides? In the halls of seminaries, homes to fine theology, is this where you'd seek to find him? Do you think that's where he'd be? In the gatherings of the pious, clad in humblest of array, faithful still to old traditions, will you find Christ there today? In the midst of great emotion, shouting, rolling on the floor, in the midst of all the doing, Where's the Jesus I adore? In the hearts of men and women, here and there across the land, here you'll find him, there you'll find him, scattered far this blood-washed band. Here and there across our planet, there are peoples set apart, and you'll find my precious Jesus in each broken and contrite heart. That's my desire, and I trust it's your desire. To That's where I want to dwell. God bless you.